Hello, hello, hello. It's Jan, and you're right here with me on All That Matters. Welcome, welcome, and thank you so many of you for taking the time to leave a note on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Amazon or wherever you're listening to uh, this weekly podcast. I really appreciate taking the time to let me know how you feel. Happy to have you check in with me at jangoldstein.com. You'll find the podcast there along with stories and uh, information about my books. And uh, whenever I hear from you and whenever you pass on one of the stories I may share on the podcast, it's always just so wonderful because it's part of this uh, tapestry of giving that we are all a part of, uh, both potentially and in actuality. Uh, And talking about giving, I wanted to share a story with you because I've been thinking a lot about children and how they're experiencing the pandemic and everything else that goes with it, how they're experiencing the last year and a half of our lives. And, um, And I came across this story, which perhaps you're familiar with, perhaps not. The story goes that some time ago, a man punished his three-year-old daughter for wasting a roll of gold wrapping paper. I mean, money was tight, and he became infuriated when the child tried to decorate a box with the precious paper for a holiday. And nevertheless, the little girl brought the gift to her father after they'd lit candles that night and said, this is for you, daddy. He was embarrassed by his earlier overreaction. But his anger flared again when he found the box was empty. Then he saw that empty box and he'd lost patience from a hard day of work and he snapped, don't you know that when you give someone a present, there's supposed to be something inside it. The little girl looked up at him with tears in her eyes and said, Oh, Daddy, it's not empty. I blew kisses into the box. All for you, Daddy. The father was crushed. He put his arms around his little girl and he begged for her forgiveness. It's told that the man kept that gold box by his bed for years. And whenever he was discouraged, he would take out an imaginary imaginary, uh, kiss. And he'd remember the love of the child who had put it there. So that gets me thinking of moments like this, moments of ultimate connection, I would say. And these moments are the stem cells of growing into who we are becoming. The stem cells of growing into who we are becoming. Because as you know, stem cells can become anything as they mature and grow. They contain infinite potential. Any day or a birthday or a holiday or a day in which you you realize a truth or encounter a vital and enriching connection to another human being is the same way. Let's, let's face it, the, the past is fixed in time. We know what happened there. Our memories, both bitter and sweet, are already formed, but we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And the shape of the weeks and months and years ahead depend on what we decide to grow 
out of the stem cells of today. We choose. We choose. My mom used to encourage it. She used to say, it's up to us to live with loving kindness or it's opposite. Up to us whether to bring together or break apart. No one else. It's up to us. We choose. I'll never forget as a young man taking part in what was called a consultation of conscience where um, a number of activists went to Washington, D.C. and from across the country. And we endeavored to speak to representatives about the fight at that time for religious. We wanted to to gain support for the religious captives in the then Soviet Union, as well as moving for a greater voice for those in our own country who were underrepresented and still are in many cases. And for two days, I remember going from office to office with a group that had reached out to our California representatives or uh, reach out to somebody else's representative, trying to speak face-to-face with congressmen and congresswomen and trying to give them, I guess, a dose of our own passion and our own conscience. But every single one I remember had us meet with someone else from the office, someone lower down the chain. No one had time to meet in person, even for a few minutes. At least that was my experience. And I don't know why, but I was walking down one of the hallways in the office building Congress, and I suddenly passed the office of then Representative Father Robert Drynan. Now, he, as I say, he wasn't a lawyer or a business person. Um, he was a priest, a Catholic priest who had chosen to run for Congress from Massachusetts. Um, and he believed he could best serve God by serving people. I knew him from the news and from seeing him interviewed on television to be outspoken, to be passionate about causes. And even though I wasn't from Massachusetts and I had no connection with which to expect him to see me other than a human one and a little brazen chutzpah, so I knocked on his office door. And I went in and was speaking to his secretary. I noticed the office door was open next to the secretary's entryway. And apparently he heard me speaking to his assistant. And he got up from his desk in that next door office. He opened the door wider and he ushered me in. And there I was by myself sitting opposite Father Drynan, Representative Drynan, as he listened patiently to this Jewish kid taking notes and eventually, astoundingly, as I sat there, he dictated a letter to the Secretary of State as well as to officials in the Soviet Union sharing my concerns and the concerns of everyone who wasn't in that room who had come to Congress for that purpose. And then he signed those letters after dictating them and having them typed up. And he added his name to the cause. I mean, I was stunned. And I asked simply, I remember, 
Father Drynan, no one else would meet. Why would you drop everything to allow me in? Someone not even from your state, much less your district. Remember always, he said, one voice can move mountains. I'll never forget him. One voice can move mountains. And then he said, you can fashion justice if you're willing to speak and act with conviction and compassion. He said, never stop becoming and never stop believing in your own gifts. I remember looking out his window at the Lincoln Memorial in the distance. And during the civil rights struggle, African-Americans and all those who stood with them in solidarity gathered on those steps and around the reflecting pool and sang, we shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. Later in Prague in 1989, during the Velvet Revolution, thousands sang this song in Wenceslas Square. I remember speaking personally to the president about that. The president of that new Czech Republic. And I'll share that in future podcasts. I was working on a book about how we turn pain into possibility. How we learn from the things and struggles in our lives and how we're able to drain away the poison of that bad experience and find learning and illumination in it. So we learn from everything. The message of hope and liberation of we shall overcome speaks now as loudly as it did then, both on a communal level and on an individual one. The arc of the moral universe is long, preached Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, but it bends towards justice. So I found out on that day, each in our own way, we choose whether or not to help shape our lives so that it fits that long curve, so that it contributes to that long curve. Because, listeners, we can choose roots and connections. What do we imagine life looks like if we set the intention of becoming a bridge? This coming week, in some small but profound way, our future is waiting to be born, and I want to challenge each and every one of us. It's up to us what kind of future we birth, how we use the stem cells of today to forge a tomorrow. It's up to us whether this will be a week of stasis or one of growth and deepening. Are we on hold or in the process of becoming? Always always remembering what Stephen Sondheim says in his lyrics into the world, into the woods. Children will listen. Children will see. Yes. They're looking to us. How will they come out of this period of time? How can they forge strength and resilience if not in watching the adults around them? Act with the potential of becoming something more than stasis, of becoming agents of change, of becoming creators of possibility, of forging with our hands the visions of our hearts. So just maybe each of us 
has something like the gift the little girl gave her daddy to receive and to pass on. So I have to ask myself as I ask you, are we open to those moments of unconditional love, of of hidden kisses or words or images or gifts found in our friends, our family, or through a stranger or an artist? Are we open to it? People often ask me, Jan, have you had these remarkable experiences, you know? Sometimes questioning me, did that really happen? Yes, it really happened. And I noticed it, whatever it was. I noticed it because I think I grew up with a mother who was a poet and a dad who was a performer and an actor and both of them loving and set an example of being open to the world around them. I learned that openness from them. And so I notice because these things are happening little and big, all around us each and every day. Like the imaginary kisses of that little girl in a box that is oh so precious. Gifts like that connect us, enrich us, and bless us, leading us to new or renewed direction. And discovering that direction, that, that gift of imaginary yet ever real, emotional, uplifting, inspiring, healing kisses amid our struggles is a challenge and yes, an opportunity. What contributions can we make to more fully connect to our world this week, to more fully enrich and contribute to the arc of justice, even in a small way? What example can we set for the children all around us and for the child within us? Ask yourself, What and who would I choose to become if I had any say in the matter? Now recognize, miraculously, mindfully, you do. Until next week, I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is all that matters.